Hello, everyone. This is Gerard Fox, and now we're back to doing podcasts as I set up my New York studio. And I have another interesting guest, but first, before we go, I want everyone to understand the purpose of this podcast. I personally believe that politicians, the media, and corporations feed us pablum. It is news. It is shifted. It has an agenda. And what I want everyone to know, whether you're a CEO or you're in the inner city and you're a young person trying to grow up and grow in stature, is that information is power. And I bring you guests who are smart, educated, and talking directly to you. And I have now with me Joe Rojas. Joe is the founder and chief visionary of Red Sapiens, which is based in New York. And he's an author of How Entrepreneurs Thrive. He is a business coach, advisor, and consultant who helps manage service companies and entrepreneurs overcome the challenges of business to create profitable, growing companies. As a serial entrepreneur, he has faced the challenge of making new and growing businesses work. And I'm telling you, if you have a business, you want to call Joe at the end of this, and we'll tell you how to do that. Because you know, having somebody who's done it before or counseled other people is important. His career started in the military, where he became an expert in information technology, eventually forming his own managed services company, which nearly failed. But through that experience, he discovered the formula for growing businesses and learned that most entrepreneurs are good at what they do, but often struggle to build a business. And those are two different things, having talent and running a business. So welcome to the show, Joe. And by the way, this is you know thank a you, great, you. great opportunity because you know I believe in chambers of commerce, and Joe is also involved in that. And I think it's important if you have a business to participate in your chamber of commerce because it's a great way to kind of get to know your city and your area and become a thought leader. But the first question I have out of the box for you is more, you know, then we're going to get into some of the more basic questions. I talk to a lot of business owners now as an attorney who represents businesses, and I hear the same complaint. And I would like to get your input on it because you're one of the smartest guys I know. And they say this, they say this to me, Jerry, I'm coming out of the pandemic and everybody got used to working at home for 15 months, waking up in their pajamas or their sweatsuit and putting on a golf shirt or just a t-shirt or a blouse. And now, you know, and, and I wouldn't know whether they were taking a four day week or a three and a half day week or, you know, but now we're starting to, we want them in the office and we want, we don't want to be ghosted by them when we tell them that something needs to be done. And we've noticed that there are a lot of bad habits that are th- work that, that we have to overcome. And they're just kind of sharing this. They love their employees. They have good cultures. But they feel that there were bad habits that people are having a hard time throwing off. So I want your thoughts on that. How do we all come out of the pandemic? How do we get back to normal? How do we get our employees who got so used to being able to wake up when they wanted to dress casual maybe ghost their boss because, hey, I wasn't by my phone or I didn't hear it ring or whatever, but now you have to be in the office and you have to deliver on a deadline. For me, we're, we're starting to appear in court. We have court deadlines, and, and my lawyers are great lawyers, and they're fantastic, but I can tell that for some of them, you know, it, you know, you have to shake the dust off. So any thoughts on that? Well, I think that the first thing, and we're dealing with this with our clients a lot, is you have to, I think, the best thing to do is to start off with a hybrid environment, right? Where everybody, nobody wants to come back. Everybody wants to work from home, right? Now we've had some companies that have had a tremendous increase in productivity because people are working from home. 
And we've had some different types of company that have had a decrease in, in productivity. So the first thing that you have to look at is, how's your company health? How's everybody doing? If you're having good health in your company, then maybe it's time to reduce your footprint, get a couple of hot desks, a place where you could have a conference room, and just have people come in when you actually need to have bodies on the ground, right? Yes. That's a good way to, to do it. But if your productivity is down, then that's a whole different issue altogether, right? So your productivity could be down because of a culture issue. Your productivity could be down because the nature of the work requires collaboration. Yes. So one of the firms that I'm dealing with, they're architects. And architects need to collaborate. They need to sit together. They need to sketch. They need to draw. They need to bounce ideas off each other. So we're starting them off in a hybrid environment. And what that hybrid environment is doing is we're, we're going to start with three days on, two days off, right? So they'll be in Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then that's that's what they're going to do. Or maybe they're going to do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They're, they're kind of playing around with the idea now, right? Okay. What they found is that people are resistant and people appreciate it kind of being able to start at their own time. So another way to do it, and I've talked to a couple of our clients about this, is to let people come and go as they please. They just need to set a schedule. Instead of being there at 9 o'clock, if they want to come in at 11 o'clock and leave at 7 o'clock, that's on them because that's when they feel more productive. Okay. Right? So another way is to kind of just set flexible schedules unless they work in teams. Now, if they yes. work in teams and they have deadlines, that's a different story, right? And if they work in teams and they have deadlines and you absolutely have to have them back in the office, the best way to do that is to have a couple of office-wide get-togethers and talk about people's mindsets and feelings and whatever they're going through to come back in, right? Like, hey, yeah. we know you've been gone. Let's have a group conversation about what you guys are thinking in terms of coming back what the constraints are, blah, blah, blah. Here's where we are as a company. But first, here are the constraints, of course, right? And then after you hear all the constraints, you go, here's where we are as a company. These are the challenges that we are facing. And this is why we have to be back here. Because we won't be able to do this remotely as effectively as we do it when we're all here. Correct. Right? Yes. And so so there's there's all those different aspects and places that you can go to. And so the best advice that I could give you is you have to look at your metrics. Based on your metrics, you're going to do this on a case-by-case -case basis, right? If your metrics are good, don't mess with it. Like all of our IT guys are crushing it. Yes. Their employees, <laughs> their employees that used to start at 9 o'clock in the morning now start at 7 o'clock in the morning because they, they, there's two hours of travel time that they don't have anymore, right? And they used, right. To, they used to wrap up at 6, and now they wrap up at 7. Now – some of our guys that we're having a struggle with is that people are working 12-hour days and we don't want them to. We want them to work eight-hour days. Yes. But they're, but they're on super early and they're responsive all day and they're because they love what they do. Yes, and so, that's so important to love yeah. what you do because then you're self-motivated. So th those are the different aspects. I hope that was useful. Yeah, no, it is. And I can tell you that there's a lot of things that I think the person who 
is running the company and his employees need to think about. For example, when I'm in Los Angeles, if I drive to the office and back, it's an hour and a half each way. I can take some calls, but I lose three hours of productivity. Mm-hmm. Yet I'm a leader, so I need to be in there a certain number of days a week or in New York when I'm here because people need to see you as a leader. Now, there's different positions that have different requirements, and some people work better on their own and are very responsive. You can get them at, you know, when you when I call my lawyers, they need to be available from 9 to about 6, 6.30 or 7. That's just, they, they must, unless they take a day off or they tell people they're going to be out, and we're very mm-hmm. good about that. But you can't just disappear and, and then, you know, assume that people are going to know where you are. So some people are good about checking in and being available and some people aren't and then they have really do need to come in because that's the discipline that works for them but i do think you're right and i think people need to get on the phone do group zooms chat about it come to a uniformity you can save some costs if you don't need those offices as you look at your office arrangements all very interesting all going to be very interesting and you know mm-hmm. uh, most of my people are vaccinated but one or two are not changes the whole ball game right? Because if they're not vaccinated, they have a different uh, feeling of safety. Now, since I have you here, I love business and my family runs businesses. I represent all different size businesses. I represent small businesses, large businesses, publicly, publicly held companies, and they all face different issues. So I want to hit on a few of these to kind of get your thoughts for business leaders. I think once a company is started and it has success, you know, it has a product or a service and the word's gotten out there and people are ringing your phone and you're starting to hire employees. The toughest um, fork in the road is when, you know, you, you, you're able to live off of cash flow. You have maybe a little bank line, you have some startup capital, maybe friends and family money, but now, now your business is taking off. It, it, it seems like it's going to go to the next level. It's not ready to uh, be uh, you know offered in a private placement memoranda, but mm-hmm. it's but it, but but it's at that next level, and and there's a lot of worry and a lot of fear by business owners. Oh my gosh, my overhead's going to expand, and then what if we lose some business? Then what do I do? And and I think it's always very challenging for a business to know when to take that next step and how to take it. What are your thoughts on that? Well, let's let's. Let me, let me, I like probing a little bit, right? So, yes. <laughs> so let's talk about it a little bit. Are you talking like right as they enter that space, right? Or are they, have they been in that space for a well, little well, while? Let me give you some examples. Sure. person opens a restaurant. That restaurant's doing well. They open up a second one. That one's doing well. Now they think about, well, maybe I want to have four or five. Or there's a person who goes out and opens their own accounting firm. And, you know, first they're doing the work themselves, but now they have six accountants and they have small office space and it's all, you know, every owner and every entrepreneur mm-hmm. has their, 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 their safety net. Uh, and, and then, then you have like, here's a chance for me to expand or stay or stay small, turn business away if, if, if I have too much. Mm-hmm. Or start to grow. And when you grow, you know, there's, there's not infinitial growth no matter who you are. So now, you know, you, but, but this is your first moment of, yeah. let's just call it so, in, a, in a privately great. owned business, big growth. So let's, so let's talk about that. So here's, here's where I see it goes off the rails. Okay. You have the two restaurants. You're doing great. It's been you running everything. You're going back and forth. You've got a couple of good managers and you've been going back and forth. And now you're debating about whether you're going to open this third restaurant. 
and this great real estate opportunity opens up. And now there's a restaurant that you could get a hold of at a very low cost in a really good area that's almost the size of your other two restaurants put together, right? Yep. You open it up and it's a raging success. It's through the roof. Only you're not sleeping anymore because now you're running three restaurants. Yeah, yeah. Right? I hear that problem. It's a common so, problem. So what happened? What went wrong? Now the quality starts to go down. The quality in all three restaurants is not as good as it used to be. So you're not everywhere. You're where you can be. Your managers are okay, but as you're not there, or if they if one of them leaves or if something happens, you're stuck. Right. Yep. And so now you start to suffer. You start to grow, but you start bleeding clients out of here and bleeding clients out of there. What's missing? You're missing. Right. Well, what's missing? Or you don't is, have someone like you, or you don't what's have a missing culture. is leadership, right? What's yes, missing is yes. leadership. So when you get ready to think about that growth, the first thing you got to think about is. Who is awesome in my organization now that I could put on my leadership team? I have to build a leadership team. I need a plan, at least for the next five years. Our preference is for the next 15, because that helps you think completely outside the box. But what happens is, if you don't, up until the point where you're at that, this is this is. I love this conversation because this is our area of expertise, right? Yes. Where, where, <laughs> it's it's up until that point, you have been the business. The yes. business has been all about your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, and your mindset and your grit and your toughness. That's what got you there. Yep. But when you get to this point, the business needs its own self. Yes. Separate from you. That's right. Right. That's right. And so what happens to most entrepreneurs is that they don't do that work because they say, well, I only have two restaurants. I'm still too small. Maybe when I have five restaurants, but if the business doesn't have a self, how do you hire? Yes. How do you and create Joe, I'd like to add, Yeah. And I'd yeah. like to add, add that, you know, under the law, a business has a separate identity when you incorporate it from the individual. Yes. And if you, you know, it's so important um, if you're going to, you know, you actually have to give birth to a, to, to a, to, to a, to a, a company. Yes. Uh, that in theory, you could have a plan of succession. It could go on beyond you because it has this life of its own. Is that correct? That is correct. Right. And so what do you need to do that? A lot of people go, what do you mean the self of the business? Well, by the self of the business, I mean, we, we call it the compass, the whole, the whole plan. But the birth of it, like you said, is four things. is the core values, the vision, the mission, the vision, and the strategy. What's your strategy for the next four or five years? What's your strategy for the next six years? Right? And it's, it, your strategy is composed of three different parts, right? There's the objective, there's the scope, and the competitive advantage. And the objective is this one goal that you're going to tunnel vision yourself into that goal. And that's what's going to drive all the action that's going to inform that vision and mission, right? Yep. And the core values, they're going to help you hire people. They're going to help you pick the space. They're going to help you move 
they're going to differentiate you from everybody else. Yep. So if you don't have those components, when you take that next leap, what usually happens is you grow, 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 and then it hits a limit. It's like when you stretch a rubber band, it can only go so far, right? And then it starts to pull back. Then you start to bleed out clients. Then you start to bleed out staff because you're not taking care. You're by yourself can't take care of all those people. So that's why it's crucial that as you make that leap, you put at least two people on your leadership team. And optimally, you want to have five when you get to that level, right? When you're when you're going from the third to the fourth restaurant, you add another one from the fourth to the fifth, you add another one. And then the five of you are running this entity based on the values, vision, mission, and strategy. That informs the other leaders and the next rung and the next rung of leaders. And now the managers have a real path. And then you start to build a culture around those values. And now the business becomes its own organism. And if you actually hired another CEO and brought him in that was consistent with those values, you could walk away, continue to make money from that business for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, right? And that business would continue to expand because it is now itself. Yes. It's no longer you. Yes. And when we build a self-corporation, what holds it together, the glue is a word that we use and hear a lot about called culture. Mm-hmm. And culture is, what do we stand for? Who are we? What are our values? Why do people come here? Why do we have our clients here? What sets us apart? I, I like to go up the street. I live in West Village to a restaurant called Rosemary. Now they've opened one on the east side, but they train the people at the same place. They rotate the servers who are all very well trained. They have high ceilings. So if you like, you know, some people like to go into restaurants, old, you know, New York style, Bronx, Queens, small little mm-hmm restaurants with a little room and you know and other people like to go into a place that has high ceilings light they have a stairway in the rosemary on the west side but they are now putting one on the east side it's a stairway it doesn't go anywhere but it gives you the sense hey i'm here and and they train their 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 cooks all you know the same way they rotate them so that you're not having one quality in one restaurant a different one in another you, you, mm-hmm. know, you have to start doing something that's very difficult which is uniformity of experience and, you know, you can't have a group of people who are really good at customer service in one company or one office and really lousy in another because now people get really confused about what you stand for. And that that means that, you know, the best thing you can do as a leader is hire people who understand your culture and make sure that you're doing things to build that culture and that you mm-hmm. it. Is that correct? That is correct. But the only way that you're going to be able to hire those people that understand that culture is you have to create those values and then create a set of questions and scenarios around the values where you give them a, a, a situation. Here's the situation. What would you do? Right. Mm-hmm. And then you see yeah. if they behave consistent with the values of the people in the organization. Right. And you yeah. want your values to not be what Patrick Lencioni calls permission to play core values. So no integrity, no honesty, no goodness, no, things that are so fundamental that he calls them permission to play. You can't even come and step on my court if you don't have integrity and honesty and all that. You can't even play here. If you want permission to play, you have to have those fundamental values, right? I'm looking for the differentiators. What are the things that make us unique and different, right? Like one of our core values here is ruthlessly loving 
So when we're talking to our clients, sometimes we have to be ruthlessly loving. We have yes. to tell them things that they need to hear, even though they don't want to hear them. Yes. And in litigation, I can tell you, we have to do that quite a bit. You know, clients would like to have the best of both worlds all the time, which yes. is like to have very little to no cost and tremendously aggressive litigation. And then you have to tell them, well, if you want to, let's put together a budget and choose how aggressive we're going to be and how we're going <laughs> to leverage. Yeah. So that's ruthlessly engaging because, you know, I think honesty, which is really built into that mm. bluntness. So then there's no surprise. The client actually knows what's going on. It's easy to be a yes person and let the client think they're right and then let them drive over a cliff. Right. And so then they're not your client. And, that, for very and, long. and that's exactly what happens. Right. So if you, if you try to be all things to all people, you will have people driving over cliffs all the time. Yes. You really, that's absolutely true. If you really focus on who your target market is and who's your valued customer and, and how are you going to service those people? You're going to apply these values that you have to those clients and you're going to tell them what you need to tell them so that they can be successful. Because clients don't buy your product or service. Clients hire your product or service to do a job. Yes. Yes. That's and right. So you have to, when, when you're uh, thinking about who you are as an organization, you have to know that whether you have a product or service, that client is going to hire it that product or service to get their mission accomplished. That's right. That's right. So, it, it, so you have to remember that it's not about you. <laughs> it's not even about your product. It's about the mission that they want to get accomplished. They want to be awesome at their mission and your product or service helps them do that. That's right. Now, as your company grows bigger and you need uniformity, you need, um, you need a handbook. You need an ethics policy. You need to develop a policy for cultural diversity and not just attracting a diverse workforce, mm -hmm. but actually making sure everyone's comfortable. What are the steps now that you have to take to graduate to that kind of organization? Because you're so big, there has to be an understanding written down somewhere of who we are and how we operate. It's a, it's a great question. So what we do with our clients is when, when they, when they come and work with us, the first thing we look at is, do you have a leadership team? You know, so I'll give you a perfect example. I started working with this IT company in 2018. There were five people and they would, they, they'd get just over a million dollars and then cr crawl back down to 800 and change and then just get over a million dollars and then come back down, get over and come back down. Right. And so I went to visit one of our competitors, one of their competitors brought me over there and said, these guys need your help. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. Uh, so obvious, so, right? So, so I sat with the CEO and I said, okay, let me tell you the problem you're having. This is what happens. You get a bunch of new clients, you go take care of those. And then you're bleeding out your old clients because you're not taking care of them as well as you were before. He said, that's exactly what's happening. I said, okay, good. If you want to work with us, this is the way it works. He said, okay, great. So when we first came in, I said, okay, you have to pick two out of your five people to be on your leadership team. He says, we're five people. I, I, I don't need a leadership team. I said, if, if you don't get one, we can't work together because our process is built for leadership team. And he said, okay, let's do it, right? So we go and we, we, we put this leadership team together. He was way more agreeable than that. But, you know, it's like he, he was ready for it, whatever it was. But he really didn't 
the beginning, it's like, why do we need a leadership team, right? But as soon as we did that, right, even those people, their aspect change that they were on the leadership team now, they got a little bit more money and their aspect change and we started looking. So the first thing we look at is what are these values, vision, mission? Then we do this 15-year plan, five-year plan, one-year plan. Then we look at, okay, what are the fundamental things that you need to do to run the business effectively? And we start to put together a manual around that. And that becomes like the chassis of all these other policies that you were talking about, right? Yes, but you need yes. first to know what, are, what is our fundamental business and how do we deliver on it? So that's the chassis. You put that chassis together. And then on top of that, you say, okay, well, over here, we need a policy for this. Over here, we need sexual harassment policy. Over here, we need a dress code. Over here, we need a blah, blah, blah. Over here. Because now we have a chassis. And we know what what was going to be required. And luckily for them, we have all those things pre-written already. So when we start working with them, what we help them do is tailor it to their particular flavor, right? Because we, yes. we put a lot of those things together. And then we bring experts like you that can help them put their contracts together, put their, their agreements together. A lot of small companies that have partners don't have a uh, 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 buy-sell agreement in place. They don't have uh, the right insurance policy in place. They don't have a key man insurance in place. And that's a big problem. And that's where experts like you come in and can really get in there and help them look at what are those components. For us, we're looking at the strategy and tactics, right? Once yeah. we're done with the strategy and tactics, then experts like you have to come in and help them with their legal, help them with their insurance, help them with their technology, help them with all the components that are going to have to be layered on top of that. Yeah, and right? I want to yeah stop at this point to you know this is a great segue. I'm a litigator, so I come in and I deal with disputes after they happen. But I can't tell you how many com times a company goes to a friend, small law lawyer, law firm, says you know. We're going to be a corporation, so they appoint a CEO, a board of directors, set it up. It has no bearing on who's going to do how much work or much of anything. But actually, the agreement that they sign, let's just say one guy funded 60% of it, does 70% of the work. The other two are helping in some way. But the agreement they sign, which is, you know, I'm going to tell you this, I hate to say it, but there are a lot of lawyers that will just copy forms. There are some really good ones, but they're very expensive or more expensive, but you should probably get referrals and find a good lawyer, read the damn agreements that they give you. Because I come in and the guy says, look, I'm, I, I funded this whole thing and I'm, I'm the one running it, but I'm, I'm now a third, one third owner. And those hmm. two, I had a case where a guy actually built a very, very significant company and a very significant business up and had huge clients. But the actual underlying agreement gave the other two guys two thirds vote and they could vote them out, terminate them. Wow take over the company and sell it, which they did. He was in shock. Now I had to stop that and leverage it and do all kinds of things. And it was very expensive for him, much more expensive than it would have been if he paid attention to his underlying corporate documentation. And those, that corporate documentation will, for example, if you get incorporated in Delaware, a lot of your disputes are going to be in Delaware. If you're in New Mexico, do you really want to be there? Really? Just because every lawyer said they always incorporate you in Delaware? Well, I'm not so sure. Although the Chancery Court is very, very knowledgeable, you'd have to Go hire Delaware lawyers. Your New Mexico lawyer has to hire them, and they're very expensive, and they they don't pull back because it's a very small bar. 
Um, if you have an arbitration clause, if you're in the AAA and that's the old clauses, those are lawyers and sometimes they have bias and they're judging you as opposed to jams, which is better but more expensive. And you should understand that the fees in arbitration are very expensive now. Yes. So I think when you get to the point where you're incorporating and even though you're three people, two people, you need to stop right then and there and really examine, you know, how are we dividing revenue? What's our, what's our system for, you know, dealing with somebody who's slacking off in our little threesome? If you want to be able to bring somebody in from the outside, what's the procedure for that? If we have a dispute, should we go to mediation or arbitration, something less expensive? Where should it be? Mm. Who pays the legal fees? Does the company? Do we? I mean, these are really important things that people don't spend time on. And I, you know, it's sad because then, you know, you have problems that you could have resolved in a, and I, and I could get into that and I'm not going to hijack this show, but it, but it, but it goes into what you're saying. Yeah, but but it's you, exactly that what you're saying is exactly what I see is wrong. Every time I walk in, right. Yes, I walk in yep. and I go, Hey, show me these agreements. You, you, you know, you guys are partners. So when we're doing the discovery, I want to know everything. I want to know if they have key man insurance. I want to know if they have a buy sell agreement. I want to know if they what are they going to do in, in the case of arbitration. I want to I want to know those things, right? So as we're doing the discovery, I'm like, oh my goodness. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, like rocket or whatever that thing is. you need to lawyer. Yeah, yeah. Slow down to hurry up. You yeah. know, uh, really go to good lawyer who knows how to ask the right questions of you and set you up so that you can start it together and end it in a way that's cost effective if you need to, or buy somebody out or move somebody out. Uh, well, listen, you have been great with your time. I could talk to you all day because we both love business and we both <laughs> love talking about it. And, and Joe has got energy, endless energy, but I want people who want to join Red Sapiens uh, to know about that and how they would go about doing it. Sure. So they could go to redsapiens.com. You know, there's a way there to book our meetings. We have peer groups. So we have these amazing peer groups that you can become a part of. We also do one-on-one executive advisory services. So the best thing to do is really to go and book yourself a discovery call and see what what is the right thing for you. What should you be doing uh, if you want to grow and scale your business? Our sweet spot is exactly what Jerry was talking about, which is how how to get to that next level, how to overcome that hurdle as you grow and expand, we're the crowbar that gets you unstuck. Yeah, that's, that's I, I, yeah and I'll tell you, Joe is extremely talented. His group is very fairly priced and the expertise is amazing. And the thing that you have to know, because I have a family of business people in my, my, my family, now I have my own law firm, is when you start with an idea of your own and you push out, push out, you know, you, you tighten up on your budget at home and you try to get your first client, then your second, then your third. And, and everything is you, everything is you. And then you can stand up and you, you actually go on your first vacation and you're buying a nice car and you have employees and you have health insurance and, you know, you're trying to get to that next level. You have to understand that entrepreneurs stand in a lonely position, but mm-hmm. it also means that, you know, you have to humble yourself enough to know you don't know everything. And that if you can't figure out how to, you know, you're staying up not at night, you know, you're on your heads on that pillow thinking, how do I do this next? That's where you call Joe. 
and you go to Red Sapiens and they ask you the questions and get in the dialogue that you're not going to have with your employees because what are your employees going to think like, you don't know where you're going and I'm supposed to work for you. You don't know the next steps. I'm going to work. No, you don't do that with your employees. So now you have this consulting group, these experts who help you think your way through, you know, consider it like the wizard of Oz, you know, she need to find, uh, you know, the lion and the tin man. And then she found her way to where she need to go in life. We need consultants, people who can help us understand where we are on the map and where we need to go. And Joe, and I have him on my show because I think he's amazing, is the guy that you really need to talk to. He is a straight talker. He has a great team. Please help yourself. Joe, thank you for your time. Do you have anything you want to refer the audience to, a book, an article, anything else? Because you're, you know, you're just such an interesting guy. I want to make sure they can get access to anything you're behind. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So uh, we we have our our um, they can actually go to our our website and go to startgrowmanage.com. There's a, we have a, a newsletter there and they can sign up for for our newsletter and we have a course there that you can uh, sign up called the Compass Course that lets you look at your business model canvas, core values, vision, and mission in a way that really gives you, I'm going to say, like a view into your business that you possibly didn't have before. Well, there you go. Well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, first of all, we're coming out of this pandemic. I, you know, don't, don't take everything a corporation says is truth. Don't take anything a politician usually says is truth. And certainly don't take what the media says is truth. You want to dial in to, to podcasts like this, where people are speaking to you directly because they're in the community it's a grassroots look. If you want to get ahead in life, you got to accrue information and make decisions for yourself today, and that's what this podcast is about. Yes, I have a law firm, and, and we're very diverse. We've been diverse. We said committed to diversity long before the issues of today, and we elevate women, and we're very fairly priced, and we're bi-coastal. GerardFoxLaw.com. We're litigation appellate specialist, arbitrators. You want to come talk to us if your business has a problem, or even if you anticipate one. But more importantly. The guests that I bring on the show are really good human beings, and we have so many on this planet. And you got to find them and talk to them one-on-one and learn from them. Learn. Knowledge is power. Joe, have a great evening. Thank you for being a guest. And to my audience, man, I cherish all of you because you're learning and you're growing. Have a great week. Thank you for having me on the show. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.